If uh, you're just joining us, um, we are in a series through the book of Philippians. It's a, a book of the Bible, and it's a man named Paul writing to uh, one of the first churches that he planted in Europe in a place called Philippi. And uh, as he's writing to the people in Philippi, on the surface, his life isn't great. He's in prison, and so you can, yeah, it's just not a good thing, typically. But as he's in prison, he's dependent, as Jason shared last week, he's dependent on everybody else, basically, for his well-being. If he needs food, somebody comes, needs to bring him food. If he wants paper to write other people, he needs to have that brought to him. If he needs any help with anything, basically, other people have to be there to help him. On, on top of all of this, he's, he's an older man at this point in time. Uh, he's getting up there in age, and if you talk to those who are aging, you'll, they'll just tell you, getting old is not easy. Amen. <laughs> <laughs> right. It's not easy. Uh, but not only is it not easy, he has spent the last 12 years of his life traveling roughly around 7,000 miles to spread the gospel. And during that time, he has been beaten over and over again. So you can imagine the wear and tear that his body has been going through and has gone through. I mean, he had been shipwrecked. He's been bitten by snakes. Like, he, he's had all of these things go on in his, in his body. And, and he was bivocational, by the way, too. He, was, he, be, he became basically an itinerant pastor who was traveling, but he was also a tent maker. And so he used his hands. And so it's, it's likely maybe arthritis had set in by this time in his life. I mean, writing may not have even been very easy for him. He complains in one of his letters that he's got this thorn in his flesh, and we really don't know what it is. It could be the arthritis. Uh, it, it could be the, the kind of the, uh, the, uh, the leftover damage from the beatings that he has taken. It, it could be for him somebody who takes his life and his conduct very seriously. It, it could be some sin that he feels like he just hasn't conquered. We don't really know, but he's dealing with all of this as an older person, and he's writing to the Philippian church. What you see him doing here in this text that I just read and what I just read to you, it's almost like he's having this internal debate externally with the people that he's writing to. He's, he's kind of contemplating, is it, is it better for me to stay or is it better for me to go? Is, is, it, is it better for me to go ahead and kind of like, hey, like, Mail it in, basically. Like, I, so he's, he's run the race. He's, he's done all that. He, he's, 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 get, he's poured out his life for God, and he knows that, okay, if, if, if this is it for me, I'm okay. Or is it better for me to stay? And this is the debate that he's having here, and it's interesting that he's able to have this debate in general. I wonder, like, how many of us can really have this debate? Sometimes it's just kind of one or the other. But for Paul, this debate is not difficult for him. Why? It's because all of his life is caught up in one person. It's Jesus. His life is in Christ. For the past 12 years of his life, he has devoted it completely to Christ. And so he's, he's spent his life, as Jason shared last week, pressing in. Pressing into Jesus, pressing into the work of the Spirit, pressing into the work that God has given him to do. And so as he looks at both his life and his death, 
He's good with either one because it's all wrapped up in one person and in one purpose. And so he believes that he belongs to Jesus and no matter what, he is going to experience and see victory. He says this about his life. He says, Christ will be honored in my body, whether by life or by death. He says, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. And so no matter what happens, he's good. He's good. He's not afraid of dying. He's not afraid of living. And I think that's a good word for a lot of us. Some of us, we're afraid of living. We're afraid of being the person Christ has called us to be, doing the things that Christ has called us to do, moving forward in the way that Christ has called us to move forward. And for Paul, no, <laughs> to live is Christ. Others us, of us, right, we're, we're afraid of dying. Not for Paul. Why? Because his life belongs to Christ. And so what does pressing in do? As we think about pressing on. It prepares us for both life and death is what Paul is saying here. And he's having this debate with the people and he's trying to figure this out. Like, what do I, what do, I do? It sometimes would feel better. It would feel like a relief to go and be with Christ. And his conclusion is not that. He says this. He says, basically, like, it's, it's, it's better to stay. And he gives them a few reasons here. And I just want you to see these, because I, I don't know if these will help you or not, but this is the reasons that he feels like it's better for him to remain. One is he doesn't see any reason to be ashamed by his situation. He's in prison. He didn't do anything wrong. He was doing what God has called him to do. And this is a word maybe for some of you who you've had a health event or you've had some things happen to you that are out of your control. And just because you're not perfectly healthy, just because you're not maybe feeling like you thought you would feel at the age that you would, or even if you are suffering for Christ in any particular way, that is nothing to be ashamed of. He goes on to say, to live is just fruitful labor for me. I mean, he believes that as long as he is alive, that God is working in him and through him. He says it's more necessary for the account of others. He has purpose for living. And his purpose isn't just to live for himself. It's to live for others. He believes that God has put him on this planet, even where he is. Others have to come to him. But he believes that he still can have an impact on others. He believes that his life will help people progress and have joy in the faith. His faith will bolster the faith of others. And then finally, he says that he hopes to see the Philippians again, like that's his desire, so that they will glory in Christ again. In other words, so that the presence of God will be made manifest as he shows up and that the people of God will allow God to disperse among them, the people they come in contact with and as they're together, that Christ will be glorified and all of that. And so what you see was, is with this man who is in prison, in chains, has been beaten, ha, is towards the end of his life, who is not in great health, you see this confidence like radiate from him. It's just radiating from him. But here's the thing. This confidence does not come from him. It's not in himself. It's all in Christ. It's all in the eternal God 
It's all in the God who is both transcendent and imminent. It's all in the God who has conquered both life and death. And he sees all of his being, every part of himself, caught up in Christ. Like, all of it. And that's the nature of his faith. He's got one foot in heaven and one foot on earth. And that's kind of where Paul lives. And here's kind of what I want us to see, and I hope that we can maybe contemplate this morning and think about as we begin to get into some application here in a few moments, is that faith, is that Paul has this incredible faith that is oriented towards the future, and yet it's active in the present. He, he believes in the future good of the people that he is leading and loving. He believes in the future good of himself. But that doesn't keep him from doing what he is called to do in the present. That doesn't keep him from focusing on what is in front of him. He says to live is Christ. So if, I, if I'm going to live, Christ is going to live in me and through me. But to die is gain. And then he says something really weird. He actually says... To depart and be with Christ is far better. Now, a lot of our lives are actually pretty good, even if we kind of like lament what's going on and all of those sorts of things. I think a lot of us, like to, to even kind of get conceptually to that would be kind of weird. Like to die is better than what we actually experience now. And to be honest, like I don't really know what that will look like. I've never done that. Um, <laughs> maybe you have. Um, but he's saying it, it's, it's better it's better. And so we see clearly he is not afraid of death because he will experience the power of God more fully. While at the same time, well, I think he really believes that. Like, I don't, I don't think he's blowing smoke. I, I think he really believes that. Like, it would be better. It, and you've been around people who are suffering, who are struggling, and all those sorts of things. I've prayed for people, by the way, like, God, just be merciful to them. I, I don't know, maybe you've prayed like you've they've gotten to the point where they're just struggling and they're suffering and, and you kind of wonder like how bad is it for Paul? And Paul probably is feeling some of that at times. But here's what he tells them like I'm not checking out on you. I'm here. I'm here for you. Yes, I know that heaven, I know that being in Christ is going to be better. But because I know that, like I'm gonna be as much good for he, you here as I possibly can. Some of you, you've heard the phrase, like, they're so heavenly-minded, they're no what? They're no earthly good. Uh, Paul would have had, like, no idea what that meant. And in fact, he would have said, the more heavenly-minded you are, the more earthly good you would be. Because what he believed is that you were to bring heaven to earth. Do you ever realize, even just in the prayer of Jesus, what do we pray for? Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Uh, Paul believed that because of his citizenship in heaven, because that he belonged to Christ, that he belonged to the future, that he was to work to bring heaven to earth, that escapism wasn't something that he leaned into. Even the prayers of the people, if you look at verse 19, he's, he's saying this. He's, he's saying, you have been praying for me because you've been praying for me Basically, the Spirit of God has been taking place in my life. And here's what he says. He says, I believe that because of your prayers, Christ is going to deliver me. And so he's telling them that your prayers are going to work out for my deliverance. It's the same word for salvation. 
And he's referring here to the idea that it's not just going to save me from my chains, but like I am saved, I'm delivered, but I'm not delivered from this evil system of the world. I'm not delivered from my uh, 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 chains only just so I can go to heaven, but I'm, I'm delivered for the world. I'm delivered for you. I'm delivered to make a difference. And so everything that God has done and is doing in my life, it's not just so I can store up rewards in heaven, but it's so I can make a difference for the people in front of me. And so for Paul's sake, his heavenly status of belonging to Jesus determined his earthly actions. And that should be the same for you. You're a citizen of heaven and of this world. But your citizenship in heaven always takes precedence over your citizenship here on earth. One determines how you operate in the other. And so Paul didn't just become so like otherworldly that he was no use in this world. But the more otherworldly he became, the more useful he decided he was going to be in this world. The more faith he had, and the future that God had promised for him, the more useful he becomes. Well, we have things called D groups in our church, and we basically get in reading plans, and um, we meet together and study together in small groups. And our, our D group right now, we're in Hebrews 11, and what strikes me in Hebrews 11 is it's the it's the passage on faith, and over and over again, it's talking about how all of the the great people in the Old Testament that you see, everything they did was by faith. And it, it gets to, to Moses, and, and Moses was a man of great faith. And if you know anything about Moses, he had um, stature in the palace. I mean, he was raised in the palace, and he looks at the people who are suffering, and what he decides to do is, I'm going to go lead the palace, and I'm going to step down with actually my people, the Hebrew people, and I'm going to lead them out of slavery. And what the writers of Hebrews says is, like, that was, that was all on faith. And if you read about Moses' journey, you would think that he's just celebrated as a hero the, his entire life. Like, oh, thank you, Moses, for doing what you did, but his life is actually pretty miserable at different times because leading people is never interesting, and the people actually wanted to go back to Egypt, and like, why did you even do what you did? And Moses' life is up and down, but he remains faithful the entire time, and he has to exhibit courage to continue to lead the people, and what the writer says is that was all on faith, that he had the courage to continue. And so Moses cont continues throughout his life, and what Paul is doing here, he is at the end of his life, and he's saying, I'm not giving up. God will take me when he wants to take me, and he'll do with me whatever he wants to do with me, but I am going to have the courage to remain and to keep going, and I'm going to rejoice in it, and I'm going to be glad for it. And so that's the context of what is going on here in the scriptures. And so I want to give us some application this morning, and I think it's actually fairly simple for us. And for us, I think it might be this. Finish well. Finish well. Um, we are becoming more and more of an intergenerational church. Um, you know, two years ago, and everybody, um, when they were talking about this church a while ago, they would always talk about how young it was, or is. As I look around now, um, we're still relatively young, still a lot of kids in the back, all those sorts of things. Um, but we're getting a little more gray as well. Uh, I think I've even gained some in the past few years, right? Like more and more of us are on the back nine. And this church is, you know, we're 14 years old. And so even those of you who planted this church, 
right? Some of you are starting to get on the back nine, and it's probably why we are getting a little older as a church. You know, you like to still think that you're young all the time. Uh, but what happens as you get older, you get a little tired, you get a little distracted. Uh, to be honest, I've been around uh, enough people to know you can get a little fearful right, of the coming generations and things to come. But shame can creep in. Right? You, you, do, you, you end up doing some things sometimes in your life. I, I said I would never do that. I, I can't believe that I did that. Right? Maybe a, a relationship, you go through a divorce or something happens. Guilt creeps in. Maybe you just didn't score what you thought what you would on the front nine. I, you know, I don't know why I'm doing these golfing. I'm not a golfer. Um, we got some golfers in here. But what it does, honestly, is what happens is that focus and confidence and your courage just begins to, like, strip down. Sometimes you actually begin to, to lose faith as you age. I mean, if you read the book of Hebrews, a lot of it is about remaining in the faith even. Uh, but the, the problem is, is it takes focus, it takes courage, and it takes faith to continue to move forward. Uh, one of the blessings that I had is I was able to become a pastor at 28, a uh, lead pastor at 28. One of the difficulties was, is that it was, in, it was an older congregation at the time. Jeff Freimeyer's here this morning. He actually was an intern before I got there. Good morning, Jeff. Um, he didn't know he'd be called out this morning. But uh, Basically, you know, I'm, I'm interviewing with this church and all these sorts of things. And I was at a church, and I was a youth minister for five years. And we worshiped in a gym, like a sanctanasium. And, uh, <laughs> and so my job was to make sure the young ones were having fun. Like, we played dodgeball all the time. Um, loved dodgeball. It was all girls when I showed up. It was all boys when I left. No. Uh, <laughs> it really was all girls when I showed up, which is just scary to begin with. But, but so... So I, I was in, uh, you know, this congregation, you're a, 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 a youth pastor, and then I was called to this congregation is predominantly older. But not only that, I was one of the more historic congregations in our movement, which isn't like, we're not a, real, we're not a movement that's been around for a real long time, couple, uh, over 150 years or so, about that time. Congregation's over 125 years old, so that puts it in some perspective. And some of these people were, I mean, beautiful people and, um, that had been there during that that time, but, you know, the congregation just aged just the way it is. Like, I hope to age someday, and people can say some things about me. But, but, but I'm, I'm called to this, and I'm actually, like, I'm scared to be a lead pastor because I have no idea what I'm doing. Nobody ever does. Um, but I'm actually not that afraid of the ages. Like, I love my grandma. Like, who doesn't love their grandma and grandpa and all those sorts of things? And, um, you know, people are saying, you'll run into this or run into I'm like, oh, yeah, whatever. Um, and so I, 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 I get there, and you realize, like, oh, like, oh, people do have problems. Like, people do have fears. Like, people have had these things that happen in their lives, and sometimes they begin to drift, or sometimes their faith actually is not as strong as it was 20 or 30 years ago. You hear about the great stories of God working in their lives, and it's like, well, why isn't that happening now, and I kind of entered in that place. Like I said, I was, I was not scared of that. I was actually kind of excited because, and I'll share this with you at some point. I think we might talk about deconstruction here in the months to come or whatever, but like I was, I had gone through a period of my life before that where I was really struggling with my faith, and I, so I went to seminary because of that, and at seminary, it was a lot of the older professors that actually helped me with my faith, and so I was, I, I loved being in contact 
with the older professors because I could see and hear how God had worked and moved in their lives. And not only that, I could see their confidence in the living God. And for somebody who was younger, who was struggling in my faith, to be around people like that changed my life. I mean, it changed, I'm, not, I'm not joking. Like, it changed my life. And so I go to this congregation. I'm thinking, man, I'm going to have like, all these older folks. Like, we can change the world. Like if, if their faith can be poured into other people like that, like I, was in a, I was ready. I was honestly, I was ready to, to storm hell with a fire extinguisher like with these people. And to be honest, it was, it, it, it was good. Like we, we figured things out. You have the probably generational problems and all those things that happen. But as you get there, what you discover, though, too, is they, they kind of needed me and I needed them. I needed their wisdom. I, I needed some of their their instruction. Um, I needed to even learn from them, like what people actually go through as they live their lives, like the hurts and pains and all of that. And I think they needed some of my energy, like, you know, um, and some of my foolishness. Like, hey, we're just going to do this because Christ tells us to do this. And, and so it was helpful and it was a good relationship and I learned so much and I was so thankful for them. And here's what I kind of want to say to some of you this morning is that many of you have poured your lives into your faith and in the life of the church or even into your workplaces and into your homes, into the community. And as you get older, don't mail it in. Don't mail it in. You are in the places that you were present in to persevere and to pass on what God has given you to the next generation. Like our progress, their progress and joy in the faith is dependent on you. It is. We have uh, interns and young people that we work with, and I was sitting down with them a couple months ago, and I asked them, I said, what do you want? Like, how can I help you? What do you want from our church? You're serving in our church. Two, the first two said, we want mentors. We want people older than us that will teach us how to follow Christ, that will speak into our lives as we're building our families and our homes, as we're getting ready to graduate. So finish well. They're dependent on you. The people beside you are dependent on you. Don't drift. Don't drift. You're called to be faithful. I love this story. Uh, that um, Mike Barker, he's an elder we're about to introduce here in a few minutes. Um, he's been ratified and all that fun stuff. But I love this story he tells. He talks about his grandfather. And he said, in the growing up, what they used to always do, they used to always go down and visit their grandfather in uh, Hadelman, Kentucky. I just got that wrong. But um, in Kentucky, east of Lexington there and the hills. And he said what his grandfather always wanted the family to do was always to go to church with him. And so whenever they went, they always went to church for him, with him. He told him he never wanted anything for Christmas. Just come down, visit me, and go to church with me. And he said as his grandfather approached his 70s, Parkinson set in. And so his grandfather always shuffled his feet when he walked. And he said he didn't realize until he became an adult that uh, the saucer under your coffee wasn't supposed to be filled with coffee. Like, you know, because he said his grandfather was shaking all the time. And he said about 
was the time his grandfather turned 70, the church that he attended burnt down. And so he was trying to figure out, okay, what do I do with this? And he said all the land around his grandfather had been bought up by Kingsford, the charcoal company. And so his grandfather wrote the CEO of Kingsford. This is a true story. He wrote the CEO of Kingsford, asking the CEO of Kingsford if he could buy the property next to him that Kingsford owned because he was going to build a church on it. And so Mike said, from what he understands, uh, he's had this story rep- or, uh, um, verified by some others and his family members, uh, the CEO of Kingsford showed up and sold his grandfather that land. And so that's not the incredible part. He said, so he's pulling in to his grandfather's house at about nine, he's about nine or 12, somewhere between nine or 12 years old. And he said, all the people are out there and they're working on the church and he says, he sees his grandfather with Parkinson's and all, all picking up the blocks and handing them to the people who are building the church. So, I don't know if you've met Mike Baker, Barker, excuse me, Mike Barker. But he's the one who just fixed the driveway out here. He's the one who now is pretty much driving all of the construction projects uh, around this building. That has, left, that has left an impact on him that he has not been able to forget. He's serving back there right now with our kids. Right? He would do it every weekend if we let him. He really would. It's incredible. Finish well. Second point, last point, is start now. Is start now. Paul is writing to the church, and he's saying, I'm not mailing it in. I'm not giving up. And here's what he tells them. Would you live worthy? Would you live worthy? Would you join me? Is what he asks. He said, I've labored. I've given my life to Christ. Come follow me. He says, for me to live is Christ. For me to live is Christ. Is it the same for you? He begins, or he continues as he tells them to live worthy, and he says, he asked them to do this as a church, as people. He asked them to stand firm in one spirit, having one mind, striving side by side. And this is a difficult thing to do anymore, right? Uh, to come together, to be together, to go out and spread out together, to do as much good in the community around for the sake of Christ, it's difficult. It's difficult sometimes to invest your gifts and your personalities and your resources together to do all of that. We're about to, you know, go grab shoeboxes. That's what we're, we're called to do. That's what the early church did. They used their gifts, their personalities, their resources. They shared them all to spread the gospel. I challenge you to do that. And then third, he says that their prayers, that their prayers bring about the Spirit of God in their, his life. That's really interesting. He says, I have the Spirit of God because the people of God have been praying for me. Like my deliverance, my joy, my assurance in Christ have all come. He's writing the Philippian church. I believe because you have been praying for me. He rejoices in that. He believes that there's the, there is power in prayer when people pray for him. And what's interesting is this, is that Paul taught these people to pray, and now they're praying for Paul. Now, he's, now they're praying for Paul. 
The power of the Spirit is supplied through prayer. And I don't know if you've ever been prayed for by somebody older than you, young people, but it's powerful, isn't it? Here's what you can do as well. These are all, most of these are Paul's juniors. You can pray for some of these older folks in the room. Seriously. Pray for your mom and dad every once in a while. Pray for them. Pray for your grandparents. Pray for the person who's helped encourage you in Christ. That's what it means to follow Jesus. That's what it means to be a part of the church. So here's how we're going to end. I'm going to call the worship team up here. Um, And uh, I don't know. We'll try this, see if it works. Um, Just kind of thought of this. Um, Maybe you're here with a kid. Uh, Take your kid during this period of time. Austin, maybe you have some people that you want to pray with. Take them to the prayer note. Pray for them. If you're young and you're here, maybe you brought a parent, a grandparent. You don't, you don't have to even get up. Just in your seat. Maybe put your hand on them during the song. Pray for them. Give thanks for them. There's, there's something that happens during that time that Paul talks about. That the Spirit is made manifest. That God is made present. If you're a part of this church, you'll know that we say the presence is the point. So let's pray. And if you want to move to a prayer wall, if you want to move places, you can. If you want to stay where you're at, maybe place your hand on somebody you came to church with. Maybe you're here with your mom or your dad or your grandpa or your grandpa or maybe like a spiritual father or mother. Go place your hand on them. Let them know that you're thankful for them. Not to mail it in, but keep going. Let's pray. Father, we come to you and we, we thank you. We rejoice. I, I pray that we all reflect right now on the faith that has been passed down to us. We are not the first people to have faith in Christ. And so there's always been somebody that has gone before us that has passed down faith in Christ to us. And so we give thanks for those who have gone before us. We give thanks for them. And Father, I pray that all of our faith would increase at this time. I pray for those of us who might be tired. We might be weary. We might be ashamed. We might be disappointed. And as we kind of age and as we go, Father, we might even be able to, we might start drifting from the faith. And I pray that we wouldn't. I pray that we could see that you still have so much for each and every one of us. That you have more for us. I pray, Father, that all of us would help others progress in joy and in the faith. That people would glory in Christ as we're around them. And that we as a church would stand firm in one spirit, one stri- in one mind, striving side by side for the sake of the gospel. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.